Hello, and welcome to the Work Prince podcast for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a different voice today. I'm not Bilal. In fact, I am Bassam. And I'm gathered here by the Falcon Winter Soldier experts, Norton and Rob. Hi. Yes, what up? <laughs> Norton, how are you doing today? Ah, uh, you know, living. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you, Rob? Doing, doing pretty well. Living life to the fullest, if by fullest meaning... I stay home a lot and listening. I listen to music and write. That's pretty much it. That seems like a full anyway. life. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, give me and I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's, a lot of people, that's all we're doing right now. It's just pretty much just at home, indulging yeah. on entertainment and mm-hmm. taking in all the stuff, which is why I was happy but yet sad that we had to deal with the final episode of the show. Yes. Yeah. I have been a very big fan of this whole run. And and when I was reminded constantly that this episode was the finale, it definitely made <laughs> me very sad because I wanted more and more of the show. Yeah. Mm. This is actually one of the, uh, I mean, I can't say one of the few Marvel properties where I've wanted more because technically it's just this and WandaVision currently. Mm. But yeah, I definitely wish that there were more episodes to this. Yeah. I I think, think, no, go ahead. I, I just think really quickly that this format is a very, because WandaVision, if I'm uh, not mistaken, is nine episodes, correct? It's nine, but that's nine, because yeah. parts of it are half hour. Exactly. Like the first two, I think, were a half an hour. This six, uh, six episode run, to me, is very British, because six is basically the operative number for a British series, because they're all limited. They're only, like, one season, yeah. and that's it. No, I agree. Well, also, the British ones, though, don't they typically average, like, an hour plus? Or yep. am I just... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so... I felt like, so... These could have I've, definitely been longer episodes. Yeah, I'm kind mm. of in the minority when it comes to not being a huge fan of WandaVision. Like, so, <laughs> You're so, not okay. the minority here. <laughs> so, so I okay, so I remember a couple episodes ago, you guys talking about it, and like, oh my god! But, okay, so WandaVision, I enjoyed the ride of it, but the ending for me felt so flat that it was just like... Oh. And there was times where watching it, I thought it was dragging way too much yeah this tv show i was like oh i want like two or three more episodes like give me something yeah like i'm i'm not i don't want any more of wandavision that was enough (laughs) that's that's the funny thing you and basam are simpatico with this (laughs) Uh, Bilal and i are simpatico in the fact that we liked wandavision better than this yeah not being reductive of falcon and the winter soldier because it's an amazing series yeah but i think i like the trippiness of wanda where i wanted it that much more I, I feel like WandaVision, my biggest problem with WandaVision is that they had a good concept going in, and then they just kind of like, I don't know where they wanted you to go with it. think it just dropped off? Yeah, like, I don't think they really knew what they wanted to do. Like, look at Monica Rambeau. They introduce her, they give her powers, and then nothing. Mm. Like, she literally, they tease her getting powers, and then the next episode, she does like one thing to fake Quicksilver, and that's it. And then we don't see her again for the rest of the thing. And it's kind of stupid to me because it's like, what, what the fuck was the point of introducing her and making her a big deal? And then yeah. you just kind of fucking throw her under the bus at the end of the show. Yeah. Like she's pointless the last episode. I think uh, in terms of WandaVision and just the concept conceptually as well, um, I haven't watched a lot of Legion, but I think it's one of those things where because the concept is so trippy and psychedelic, if you don't continue and you're not consistent with it, then it's kind of hard to see where it would go and uh, meet its uh, ultimate finale. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I just I, I feel like they tried to do a lot conclusion. of like 
twists in WandaVision and they just didn't they mm. didn't follow through on any of them. Mm. Yeah, They're I like, think it's Oh, it might be this. Oh, it might be this. Oh, it might be this. And then at the end of the day it's like, no, it was just her the whole time. Yeah, mm. I don't I don't want to get too much into WandaVision cuz yeah, I, yeah, I can talk about it for like an hour, but my, I guess <laughs> yeah. I guess I my you. my closing aspects about it is that like I did enjoy the 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 choices it made, the risks it took. But at the end of the day, I think um, someone said it best. It's like you can have a great hour and a half movie, but if the last five minutes are bad, mm-hmm. people are going to forget everything beforehand. Like, yeah, it's very true. So, I feel for, you. so for me, that last episode, in a lot of ways, kind of just like failed to deliver, which ruined the whole build up for me. And like, as much as the week to week was like, oh, what's next? Like, Mm. At the end of the day, it's it's like Game of Thrones. Like I don't know how you guys, if you've watched it or not, but like it, it doesn't I've matter. I've heard enough how, about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how great the ride is, but if the journey yeah sucks, then it's like yeah. what's the point of the ride? Yeah. Well, as, but you know, Winter Soldier, Falcon Winter Soldier did a great job, I think, carrying the pace and getting to a finale, which I thought was very well executed. Yeah, I agree. So Norton, you want to take us on uh, this ride of Whee! this finale? <laughs> All right. So. Um... We open up with uh, Carly at the uh, GRC summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has infiltrated the building. Uh, members of her Flag Smashers have infiltrated the building. And as soon as they realize that Sam Wilson is in route, uh, they kind of get ready. And we finally get to see uh, Sam as Captain A, which is a nice surprise. Yeah. Oh. Uh, basically, he busts into the window which is awesome and uh you finally get to see him in his full uh captain a regalia so it does answer the question as to if the wakandans gave him a uniform and wings that were wakanda colored they did not they decided to stick with the stars and stripes i am curious as to whether they made the entire outfit or they just did the wings because my impression was that they just did the wings but i guess they would have to do the whole outfit though they would have to yeah it's like where else is he gonna get one that's even even though the color scheme is a good, is a uh, still like the Captain America color scheme, the design and the way it's structured definitely remind me of other Wakandan costumes. Just uh, on yeah, and stuff like that. yeah. He, I mean, they hew very closely to his Falcon costume a yeah. lot. Like when they do it, it's kind of a nice merger of the two. Uh, but you do finally get to see him, and he gets to fight uh, the French guy Betrock. I think his name is or Betrock. Uh, Betrock. Betrock. Who is played by George St. Pierre, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah. is a famous MMA fighter. Oh, oh yeah, that yeah. explains I it. I thought that name sounded very familiar. Because I got it, like, I give him props. He really held his own. Like, I think uh, my friend even said that when he was in the Captain America movie when he premiered, I think it was mm-hmm. Winter Soldier, he, he was like, oh, yeah, he held his own against Cap, too, pretty well. So it was nice to see him uh, put up his dukes, as it were. I kind of yeah. felt bad when he was, uh, <laughs> he was killed. Yeah, I was like, "Why? Why do they keep introducing these really cool villains?" And then they're like, "Nope, you're done." That's like, a good point. Whatever. I feel like they, I feel like they only build up villains if they know they're either going to turn them good eventually or make a super group. Otherwise, yeah. they don't want to have any more time into it. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, look, look at this cool villain." Oh yeah, he's dead. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he fights uh, Betrock for a little while, and we realize that Carly's plan is to basically abduct uh the people from the summit in different ways she has somebody uh who infiltrated the helicopter that some of them escape into she has two people down in the basement area who take over the or who plan to take over the police uh things that they escape into Mm -hmm. it's very it's kind of confusing to be honest with you uh 
Bucky and Sharon arrive. Sharon has infiltrated as well. She's managed to sneak under the radar. Uh, her costume is weird to me, like her stupid face thing. That was such a weird thing I didn't because like that. she did it right in front of like a security guard. Yeah, and I was I'm just like, like, what? What was the point yeah. then? And also, how the fuck did she do the voice change? I didn't see her take anything off her throat or anything. That was fucking weird. That's true. Uh, I just wanted to add super quickly that the new costume design actually is from the comic. It's called the All New Captain America, which was back in 2014. Yes. Ooh, nice. Which they did. Yeah, it uh, does come from the comics. It does come from the actual comics. Like, just uh, detail for detail. Yeah, the minutia um, of it is on point. I will say that uh, it is one of the few comic book costumes that actually does look really good in person yeah like a lot of times you'll have comic book costumes and they have to sort of like you know tamper them down or change the color schemes mm -hmm. or even like the layout of the costume itself in order for it to work on a human being yeah but this Mar one actually Mar translates well it does marvel's pretty decent actually at i think recently at least at least they've been pretty decent about doing it. even with uh in wandavision with the, the final scarlet witch costume i felt yeah. it was probably the most doable they could do with that old school uh, whatever it was, like, witch yeah. doctor thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I did like her final costume. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's funny because I remember uh, Elizabeth Olsen in interviews, she was, they had told her, like, oh, here's the character you're going to be playing, and they were like, don't worry, you're not, you don't have to wear that costume. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of make a little bit of fun with it in the yeah. you know, Halloween episode. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. back to our present Marvel yeah. property. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Falcon looked awesome. Damn you, Winter. Oh. But yeah, no, Falcon looked amazing. Um, so Bucky, it, it's funny to me because Sharon is tasked with doing something. I have no idea what her fucking, like she, Bucky basically sends her to go after the one guy while he goes down to the basement to stop, I guess, the people from leaving. He gets distracted by a phone call with Carly, which again, I think is stupid because it's like, do, does nobody ever walk and talk? On a phone? That's the whole point of a cell phone. You're supposed to be able to take it with you while you go. I, I think And you can't even argue that, like, oh, maybe he just wanted to give it back to the lady because yeah. he ends up keeping the fucking phone. I think it might be it might come from a pragmatic standpoint in terms of walking and talking, acting-wise. might be a little harder to do that. Kind of mm. like when you think about it, there's a reason why when you see pe people eat in a scene, they're not, they take maybe a bite or two, but it's not like they're doing it because it's just for the acting No, sake. technically the reason why it happens here is because it allows Bucky to fail at his task. Oh, it's yeah, literally yeah. just a, a plot device. And okay. it's a stupid one at that. But anyway, at least in my opinion. Uh, but then you have Sharon who follows the one flag smasher down and she ends up kind of... She allows him to lock the people in the trucks and then like kind of double lock them as it were. And then she takes care of him. So for me, Sharon's behavior, like this is before we know that she's ultimately going to turn out to be the power broker, but um, we've already seen her kind of do questionable things already. And mm -hmm. to me, this is a, another confirmation action that she is not who she says she is and that she's been corrupted over time. Yeah. Uh, Marvel also loves their ambiguity when it comes to, like, you could tell if they're on the right side or the wrong side, but it's fun to sort of question whether, like, what allegiance they may hold. A little ultimately. bit. I feel like in this show, the only two people who I was pretty, like, so with Sharon, I didn't really feel.
feel that she was super ambiguous. It's my, like, the vibe I got from her was that she was eventually going to be evil. Like Yeah. And yeah I Sharon think... kind of makes no bones about the fact that she's like over it. Mm. Yeah. When they uh, meet her in Madripoor, she seems pretty obvious. Yeah, I think yeah. the big, I think the biggest ambiguity, I think the the people that they play around with the most, honestly, are Walker, to an extent Carly, mm. until like last episode, I would say. Yeah. And who else? I guess those are like the two. Zemo probably to an extent, yeah. A Even little bit. Yeah, he kind of like still stays in his line. I mm. mean, I think Zemo is. Zemo's almost kind of one of those, like, he almost embodies the idea of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going after a bunch of super soldiers, so I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. But if I have the opportunity, I'm going to go and do my own thing. Yeah. I won't hesitate to like, do Like, yeah, I will escape if, I, if yeah. I get the chance. And obviously, at the end, he gets his, uh, his butler to go and murder the, murder at least, what, three or four of them? I think it's four mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think band. so. so the... But anyway, so uh, Sharon kills the one guy with poisonous gas, which again is probably a little more of an allusion to her not being entirely good. Because yeah. yes, while U.S. agents have haha, have uh, done <laughs> questionable things in wartime, uh, we know that Sharon, you know, based on her Carter last name, is supposed to be one of the good ones. Mm. So the fact that she would go for a more lethal method of stopping somebody is a little more problematic. Yeah, I would the say. Pale. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, she's pretty white. I think. Colors. I think. <laughs> I think the whole idea about killing in the show is really, is like actually a big theme. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. If you, if you look at the different, because if you look at different angles, right, Bucky's whole kind of like moral arc is him getting over slash forgiving himself for the killing and admitting for a killing mm-hmm. yes um and sam at least when at least when he's face to face someone tries i mean he definitely killed those soldiers in the very first scene of the first episode <laughs> yeah. when that helicopter blew uh, up, i thought like, he oh, killed yeah. bedrock to be honest with you like i thought that dude yeah. was dead the first, like yeah. when they took down yeah. the helicopter because yeah. doesn't that fucking shit explode yeah mm-hmm. i was Boy. like how the fuck is this guy still alive <laughs> Yeah, but when it comes to I guess Carly and other people, he's um, he's trying to like be more like it's I guess also because in those in that part of the show things are more clear for him. It's yes. more of a black and white. But then he goes yeah. through it and realizes like things aren't as simple. So I don't want to take those chances. Where people who tend to flirt more on the darker side are so willing to kill. So yeah. which makes sense that Carter would kind of be like the fact that she like just was like oh I'm gonna kill this guy and it's like ooh yeah, yeah. Buck yeah. is killing yeah. people. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you've got uh, Zemo doesn't hesitate to kill <laughs> a shit ton of people when uh, they're in Madripoor and they're going to see the doctor. He shoots the doctor and fucking him and uh, Bucky, or not Bucky, him and Sam have an amazing exchange about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> Sam's like, you shot a guy. He's just like, let's not play semantics. And he's like, there's no semantics. You shot a dude in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he just exploded in his face. Yeah, and, just... and the thing is, uh, with people like that, it's, it's not a thing. It's like no, I mean, you know, again, Zemo feels like he's he's doing the righteous thing. Of course, so and that's the him, most dangerous mentality. Yes, I agree, and yeah. I think that's also a theme in the show because mm-hmm. you have Carly, who is, you know, I think I feel bad for Sam because I think Sam really sees himself in Carly to mm-hmm. a, a huge extent in the terms of like you know she's young, she's idealistic, she's very optimistic, mm-hmm. uh, to you a know, point. Yeah. 
In a way, she's oppressed, too. Yeah, and then she, you know, she comes to this fork in the road that we know Sam has faced, but she chooses the darker path. She chooses to go to the extremes to get her her justice, as it were, because to her, she feels like that's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of an important theme in the show too because it's like oh here's here's how it could be done you have falcon's route to captain a and then you have carly's route to uh revolutionary in a way it's almost like at some point carly is very similar to sam yes and then at some point she makes the decision where she actually becomes closer to zemo yeah Mm. yeah she does start seeing things in black and white and I do find that a little funny considering that once she sees that uh, Sam has taken on the mantle of Captain America, she almost feels betrayed by it. Yeah. Like the way that she reacts to seeing him is, you know, she's kind of like heartbroken by it because she's like, oh, I thought you were better than this. And, you know, I'm sure it's to him. It's like, well, I thought you were better than killing a shit ton of people, but I guess not either. <laughs> but, I'm threatening yeah. my nephews. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And when you think about it, if you think about the fact that, yes, there's the Flag Smashers, them calling themselves the Flag Smasher, you're now battling a walking flag. Yeah. So no, I could true. see... That's a good point. The, yeah, I could see sort of the the impassioned betrayal. Or Marvel her. can be as unsubtle as DC at times. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> they can definitely get in the blunt area every now yeah. and again and be like, hey, look at our symbolism. It's barely there. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, that's interesting. So you can see, I guess, both sides. You can. You can. Uh, So, uh, ultimately, um, Bucky's uh, storyline ends up with him following the uh, kidnapped uh, hostages uh, to a place that the Flag Smashers have set up in order to grab them and take them, I guess, somewhere else for to be ransomed. Uh, and Falcon's storyline, or I should say Captain America, sorry, Captain America's storyline now is to get the hostages in the helicopter because he's the only one who can fly. Yeah. And Sharon's storyline is to disappear and do absolutely nothing for pretty much most of this episode until she shows up later when it's convenient for her. So I do find that a little funny that nobody questions where she goes. I mean, I think that's... She gets think, tasked with killing yeah. one guy, and then after that, it's like, whoa, radio silence. Nobody's talking to her. Like, Bucky does give her the location, and that's yeah. obviously how she winds up finding Carly and Sam. Or technically, that's how she finds Carly. And then she has the interaction with Betrock. She shoots him because he's trying to blackmail her, which I think is amazing. I do love it when a villain is just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not playing this game. You're dead. Did Sharon put the... Did she put tracking devices on the van? I feel like some... She might have. I mean, I don't know. Because she doesn't go after the van. She goes after the... She, like, as far as I can tell, when... um, So after Bucky saves the people in the van, or mostly saves the people in the van, uh, the Flag Smashers, the rest of the Flag Smashers have run... They chase them into some sort of underground area. And while they're running, Bucky is going into the comms and telling her where they are. Mm. So my guess is that's how she knows where to go. She ends up running into Carly uh, in the sort like in the underground area. And then her and Carly have a bit of a 
a confrontation where we are confirmed, it's now confirmed that she's the power broker and that she originally intended to, I guess, give Carly and her friends the super soldier serum and then Carly stole it first. Like, that's kind of a confusing point, too. But either way, uh, Carly confronts her and obviously they have words. Then Betrax shows up, realizes that Sharon is the power broker and decides that, you know, he wants four times the pay now to kill Carly and to keep her secret. Sharon says, fuck that, shoots him. And then Sam shows up just as Carly kind of attacks uh, Sharon. And so now all Sam sees is Carly attacking Sharon. So as far as he knows, it's just now it's it's his enemy attacking his friend. So of course he wants to protect her. Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting how that whole kind of breakdown plays. Because like, I think like we said before, it was kind of obvious that Sharon was the power broker. It's kind of like the, uh, you ever heard of the Chekhov's gun? Yep. Yeah, so... It's, In the third act, gun goes off. Yes, if something's introduced in the beginning, it's most likely going to pay off at some point. Yep. So there was just, there was at some point, a let, like, there was not many people to be like, who is a power broker going to be? Yeah. So, it was cool that, um, I forget the guy's name, the, the French guy, Betrock? Oh, Betrock? Yeah. Betrock. It was cool that he, that Carly's like, oh, you were actually paid by her to follow me? And he's like, yeah. Essentially, like, I'm, I was the in. And, yeah, that scene with Carly, Sharon, and Falcon is definitely, like, a, it's like a very tense scene. And I do mm-hmm. like the way it kind of plays out. I mean, it plays out ultimately in Sharon's favor because she is able to justifiably murder both of the people who know her secret. Yeah. Like, and also- he comes on the scene, Betrock's already dead. He doesn't question that at all. And then when her and uh, him fight, the whole reason she gets killed is because Sharon can write it off as like, oh, I was saving your life. What do you feel about the fact that Falcon was so, or Captain America, was so against fighting Carly? Um, I get it. I do. I think, again, like he ultimately really, 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 really wanted to turn her around and, and reach her. And I think despite what Zemo says to Bucky in the previous episode, I think Sam really thought that there was still a path to uh, reasonable or to reasoning with her and to have her fight him. I mean, if you think about it, she has the super soldier serum. I think, again, we've had the, I don't know if we've ever had this conversation, but I know I've had conversations with people in the past where it's like the problem with shows like this is that the the extremes of these powers are never quite established. So mm-hmm. we never know if Carly is fighting Sam and pulling her punches or whether, you know, she's going full, like whole hog at him and he just happens to have enough moves and the vibranium is strong enough and all this other shit happens to line up that he's able to hold his own with her. Uh, I mean, you can't argue that obviously he might be able to because again, when he fought with uh, Walker with Bucky's help, it was the same situation. Mm-hmm. You know, Walker was able to rip his wings off, but it was after, he, like, a bit of a struggle just to get him down. Uh, so we do know that Sam is resourceful in this way. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, to a point, I don't think Carly was going, like, full strength at him either. Makes That's, sense. Yeah. And the thing is that it, it also makes sense, I believe, that if she was, then there's he's definitely, he has enough uh, fighting acumen to be very crafty about what he's doing and it's compensating he has to compensate for his lack of 
No, he does, and I think he's he proves himself. I mean, there's there's multiple scenes in this episode where we get to see uh, Captain America prove himself as the new Captain America. Like Uh he does a very good job of establishing that yes, I don't have any superpowers. Yes, I don't have any like cool whatever this and that Uh is, but I'm still very capable. You know, you have that scene with Bucky and Walker. Both super soldiers, mm-hmm. both trying to prevent this police truck from falling over and killing the occupants, both are hindered in doing so. And the only one who actually succeeds in preventing any sort of horrible death is Sam mm-hmm. when he flies in and he uses technology. Yeah. I mean, he's he's essentially Iron Man at this point. Yeah. Like, and he really is Tony Stark at, at this point. And the thing is that uh, if you, I guess, kind of thought about it as well. Uh, he could be just really that good at his job and that skilled at, uh, fighter because he has a lot of stuff working against him. He's the new Captain A. And not only that, he is the first black Captain America. So in order to gain a country's trust, you really have to put in the work of that much more. I agree. You know, it's that whole saying of like, you have to work twice as hard to get exactly. half as far. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I do think he proved that, you know, time and time again, He's the one who saves the people in the helicopter. He's the one who saves the people in the uh, police truck. He's the one who ultimately, uh, you know, kind of conquers Carly to a bit and then obviously takes her and, and presents her mm-hmm. body, as it were. Yeah. Uh, oh, that that uh, shot, by the way, I mean, that first of all, I thought that was a beautiful shot. It was a beautiful shot. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it's... Obviously, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to hark, hearken to an angel of sorts, yes. just the way the wings yeah. are spread and everything like that. I mean, when you, whenever you put wings on a character, you're automatically putting a bit of symbolic heft on them. Yeah, of course. Just yeah. A given. And especially seeing as though this is all being shot live, I mean, it's going out to the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe it's like not the cynic in me, but I would, I personally would think, you know, I got to make this look good for the camera. <laughs> Because I'm putting myself <laughs> out there for the world. I really want to make a presence I as well. I don't think Sam would do yeah. that based uh, yeah. on his no, character. No, of course. But, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cynic. Yes. So. Yeah. He's extremely yes. cynical. I know, I know. You're more of a showman than a cynic on that That's one. True. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You guys hit some good points, though, about Sam. And I think something that really kind of amplifies his character, I guess really like highlights it, is his mindset and how he approaches a lot of the stuff like yep. yeah bucky and walker have the strength but he has to rely on strategy yep. and mm-hmm. you know he, he's, he's a trained soldier he's been in the field he's done the things he's worked around the best and if you look back at the original captain a steve rogers if you remember the movie yeah it's his his thought process and how like he jumped on the grenade and those you know that mm-hmm. idea is like captain america always had to outsmart others until yeah. he got his power and for and for Sam, now he has a vibranium suit and vibrate in the shield and the wings, which is great. But he still has to use his intelligence, which is why he's able to save, you know, save mm-hmm. the truck and able to go about dealing with these different types of villains and working through all the processes. And yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, his, he, the way he handles the helicopter alone is just fantastic. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. And like, like he, you're right. He goes out, he makes sure there's somebody who can fly it, and then he's like, all right, let's just take out the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now I know what to do. Well, because he sends out, what's that little thing? Uh, oh, the, Red Wing. Red he Wing. has multiple Red Which, Wings now, yeah. too. And I love Red Wing, only because it's so cute. It is adorable. It is the most adorable drone I've ever seen. Yeah. 
And <laughs> so he's like, who could fly this plane? Yeah. Red Wing, search them out. Yeah. Who could I will say, copter? though, I my one caveat uh, to this whole situation is that, and I know he's not going to ask the question, and I feel like he would never ask it anyway, but if you're assuming that the Wakandans made his suit and you're assuming that it's woven vibranium the way that Black Panther's suit would be, then mm, you're yeah. also assuming it would be bulletproof. Mm. So if Carly was, like, she's sitting there po- pointing a gun at him or she's standing there pointing a gun at him, I feel like he knows that even if she shoots him, it's not going to kill him unless she hits him where his suit isn't. Well, the face, yeah. But it looks like he's, she's pointing to the chest yeah, because yeah. that's where most people are going to point anyway. Not a lot of people point to the head. It's hard that's to also- hit. That's also where the star is, so it's symbolic. That's yeah, true. exactly. So, like, she's going to go for body mass. That's what they teach you anyway. Also, yeah. and I, this is probably not, like, their thought process in writing this, but if you really think about just the political undertones of it, this is whether, I would think, if you're a black superhero, even if you have a bulletproof costume, if you have a gun pointed to you, you're going to freeze no matter what because that is your history in America. I can see that. So yeah. it, see it's that. just going to be like a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, no, I get my whole point in saying and bring this up is just Sharon. Oh, okay, yeah. Sharon takes the opportunity to kill Carly in that moment. Mm. And I don't think there's I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where Sam kind of does the math and says she didn't have to shoot her. Mm. Like yeah. I I have a bulletproof thing on. There was no reason for her to shoot her. No, that's true. Maybe I'll question it. Yeah. But instead, I know in his mind, he's going to probably, because he's such a nice guy and, and like it or not, a little bit naive, mm-hmm. he's going to say like, oh, she did it for me. She must not have known. Or maybe she thought that, like you said, Carly would go for the face or go for a more lethal shot. Yeah. You know, he'll make excuses. But at the end of the day, logically speaking, you would look at that situation and think, oh, there's something going on here. Yeah. Also, I don't know, maybe... It, uh... Um, when it comes to the suit thing, I think maybe in his mind, Sam wants to to believe that she wouldn't take that shot on him. I agree. Yeah. I do agree. I do think that he didn't think that she would shoot him. And I think that's why, if you look at his face when Sharon shoots him, he doesn't go to Sharon. He doesn't go to help Sharon, even though she's already injured. He goes to Carly when she's yeah. shot. That's his immediate response is like, oh no, like this poor girl, she's been killed. You know, she's dying in my arms. It sucks. I never wanted it to get to this. He does not go to Sharon. Mm. And when he flies Carly out, like, who the fuck gets Sharon out? We never see him go back for her. We only yeah. see her later on, mm. you know, on the side with Bucky holding her, holding her fucking side. Yeah. Yeah, who gets Sharon? They're like, you know what? She could take the bus for Yeah, like, care. he does not care, <laughs> weirdly enough. I will say, though... Uh, just as the last thing I will say about Sharon, um, and I do think, even Carly to a degree, I think that one of the more, and I didn't put this in my article because I, I guess I just never really put two and two together until right now, or maybe I just never thought it was a strong enough point. But I do think that one of the more underlying, underlying currents of this whole series has been the fact that people underestimate women. And mm. one of the big things is the fact that Sharon is the power broker, but nobody around her, because they're all male, mm. puts this together. Like, even Betrock is surprised that she's the power broker, mm. and he spoke to her on the fucking phone. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. he knows it's a woman's voice. So Carly's the only one who is also female that, you know, recognizes Sharon as the power broker. I mean, she's met her. She knows she's the power broker. But mm. when you go to Madripoor, 
like Zemo talks about the power broker. Obviously, Bucky seems to make it sound like he knows who that is. Uh, none of them ever seem to put like any sort of idea that, oh, maybe the power broker is a woman mm. or maybe it's fucking Sharon who's living in this mysteriously palatial place and has a bunch of stolen art that she sells. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you fucking that. blind? I'm like, there's nothing but hints everywhere. And instead they're like, nope, vagina. I don't see it. Yeah. And, and if, if what you're saying is correct too, and they sort of bake that into the show that guys. I give them credit for that if they did it. I, I would too. I really I would. would. Too. Because you, you also have uh, Valentina who shows up later, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and she's, I mean, I think in the comics she's supposed to be Madame Hydra. I don't know anything yeah. about her. Uh, but again, she's another power player that is, you know, female. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I do like it that, weirdly enough. So, uh, what was it? Um, it was the one right before Thor, I want to say, when they came out and they made Hela the villain for uh, Ragnarok. Yeah. Somebody had said, there was like a lot of flack that Marvel got because they were supposed to have a female villain. Oh, the Iron Iron Man 3? Iron Man 3, yeah. The botanist was supposed to be the villain. And they switched it because they didn't think the audience would go well with it. Yeah, really? So I think now, yeah. yeah. So I think now Marvel's doing the overcorrect. They've had like a number of female villains now. Like even WandaVision, you had Mm -hmm. Agnes. Yeah. You have this where it's uh, Sharon Carter and Carly. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, Jane Black initially had uh, the botanist as the villain, which I thought would have been amazing. But then, obviously, it comes down to the producers as well. Shane Black's only the writer, the the, the writer director. It's a comic book movie. Comic book boys aren't gonna. So like then it. he had because um, he always, I think, had uh, what's his face as the misdirection, as the red herring. Oh, the Mandarin. Uh, the, ma- uh, yeah, the oh, Mandarin. I, hate that I movie. am the Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. Hated that movie. Oh. A lot of people were mad about that. And then, I liked I, it, but I didn't have any. I didn't have any uh, dogs in that race. Yeah, and then Killian was ultimately <laughs> the dog villain. in the fight. That's the one. Dog in the fight. Yeah, whatever. Pony in the race. Yeah, they're they're greyhounds run. Yeah. It, it works. Way. <laughs> but I think I think you're right. Uh, and when you think about it too, uh, think of just the the title, a power broker. Now, if these guys are, as you were saying, like the the these men in the world of Marvel are saying, you know what, power broker. When you think of power, you don't equate it with woman. Yep. That's not the first thing yeah. you equate it with. Yeah. Nope. Then it could e- easily be like she can fly under the radar. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's her strength mm-hmm. is like, you know, the fact that people underestimate her. Yeah. And, you know, I, I give props because if, if that was intentionally baked in, then go yeah. to you guys. I had woman, hear me roar. Yeah. Now she has all the power. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we get through the fight with Carly. Obviously, she is killed. Uh, You have Sam uh, presents Carly's body to the media, which is kind of a weird scene. Mm. Um, And then you have him talk to the senators who are running the GRC. And he kind of makes some decent points. Uh, A lot of people, you know, I read about a lot of people, and obviously Twitter is alight with... People saying that the speech was hokey and that it was kind of like... I like the speech. But I liked it, too. I love that person, And I think it fit... Sam's personality mm-hmm. like it fit his character yeah I think it's something that was natural for him to say and I think that it's nice to see a superhero that admits things are complicated mm-hmm. you can't just fix everything with a band-aid and it's you know and I do love the fact that he goes up to the one senator and he's like you could literally just you know 
send out any food you want. Like all you have to do is write a memo and like people will do this. Yeah. You can close yeah. a border here and there. And I think that a lot of times the people in power do make excuses about like, oh, my hands are tied. Oh, I can't do this and that. But when it's something for them, they, oh, they suddenly have the ability to do it. Yeah. So it's nice to hear him kind of call them out and be like, you have the ability to do this. Like you could make a spot for these people in these countries if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's about agency. Uh, yeah. I think it's more relevant today, just really quickly uh, with that, uh, because there's a term that's been really used a lot these days. And I think it's more relevant today than, uh, I'm not saying in the past, it's always been relevant, but it's speaking truth to power. That's one of those things. That's what he was doing. But even what, with what's going on in reality surrounding us, that's what people are doing. Or they're really trying to do speak truth to power, yeah, especially to the people in in higher positions yeah. politically and otherwise. I agree, and I think you know he makes a good point about labeling. Yeah, you know he throws thug in there for good measure, but mm. it is true that you know when you when you give someone a label, then you get rid of motive. You mm. just say like, oh, they're bad, and that's it, and you don't question their motives. Mm -hmm. And I think this show was very clear on the fact that motive matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Carly and her people are doing this because to them, they believe it's the right cause. And you look at what they went through and you look at the things that they've had to go through and you understand why they're doing these things. Even Walker, to a degree, his storyline and his motives are understandable because, again, he is not part of a clean, quote unquote, good war. He, he has been part of a very messy, very complicated war. So yeah. to him, yeah. these are not easy decisions to make. These are not very clear enemies you have. So he's very much on the edge all the time, and he's never really clear. And you see when he is, you know, he has that moment of redemption where he gets to choose between getting Carly and getting his revenge or helping people. Mm -hmm. And he finally ultimately picks helping people. Yeah. But then that all goes to hell because he winds up working for Hydra. So it's like... Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's New they, Hydra. It definitely gets to a point where you kind of... You see how accountability and making the right decision and understanding people is so important because in the end of the day, fear is rooted in the unknown. Yeah. We don't understand this stuff. So we're instead of taking the time to understand, we label it as this issue and this threat. And Sam's the only person in the show who really takes the time to understand everyone. He does. I agree with you. And I think that he's he's shown time and time again that he's willing to listen to people that would be normally just straight enemies. Uh -huh. You know, he's the one who's willing to have a conversation with Walker. He's the one who's willing to have a conversation with Zemo. Uh -huh. Although it is funny because technically it's Bucky's idea to break Zemo out and he's like completely yeah. against it. Yeah. But once Zemo's out, I mean, Zemo talks to him for the most part. You don't yeah. really see Zemo having one-on-ones with Bucky. Yeah. But that's possibly because, you know, he's, he's like, I'm going to have to kill you. And then at the end he's like, eh, yeah. I'm not going to kill you. It's yeah. like, why? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think I the... I think the one good thing about the one show that the, the one thing about this show that they do really well is that there really is no like everyone has an ambiguity to them. Everyone has yeah. a thing where they're not one way or the other. And I like the different moral conundrums that they have throughout. Like one moment that really stood to me was when Carly is like she's they're getting outnumbered and she's like we're just gonna kill them all. We're gonna kill all the hostages. And the other flag uh, smasher is just like what? Yeah. Like mm. we don't want to yeah. do that. And I love that even though this far into the job, even though this far into the journey, they're still kind of like, well, this is not exactly what we want to do. 
I like yeah. those little like gray areas. And I honestly really enjoyed Walker's uh, journey in this episode. That it was nice that he wasn't just like a, oh, I messed up and I'm here and I can't go back kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and one, he's, he's not one note. No, he's not one note. I mean, no. it, I agree with you that it is nice in this show that a lot of people have many different shades uh, to them. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, maybe, weirdly enough, that Sam fails this. Sam is probably the most one-dimensional person on this whole show. I mean, not not to say that he's not a great character, not to say that Anthony Mackie isn't a fantastic actor oh, and it's a beautiful yeah. role and he does a good job, but Sam... I feel like he doesn't have that much of an arc, weirdly enough. I mean, yes, he does go through the evolution of become like going from being the Falcon to becoming Captain America and sort of realizing that side of him, yes. But in terms of moral ambiguity, I feel like that never happens. Think about it. If you think about it, though, it makes perfect sense because logistically, if you're going to have a show with most characters, if not all characters, have that sort of ambivalence about being uh, or they're vacillating from one side to the other then it's going to be a little too all over the place you want some semblance of an anchor in the show i agree and i mean you want one stalwart character to to that respect there's also bucky too i feel like sam and bucky are on equal planes on that one like bucky's not morally ambiguous to me yeah i think sam's ambiguity comes to the mantle of captain america honestly oh yes because if you because if you're looking at everything in the perspective of the show, there is the Bucky who's just like, you just do it. You, yeah. Like, yeah. This is your thing. Yeah, like why, and, why not do it? Him and Steve and then, are like, go be Captain yeah. A. Easy and then there's And there's Isaiah Bradley who's like, no self-respecting black man would ever yeah. do this. Yeah. And Sam is like, you know, for him, the show really deals with his identity as, a, as an individual. I like agree. Like from, from, from the boat that you know represents the family he's lost so the family that he has now that he wants to be here he's been a hero for so many people but for them he's having trouble saving them quote unquote especially not like with like having to adjust to a new world him feeling lost because of the blip and him understanding that his place is not exactly well determined well defined it's vague it's a lot of it's out of his control so his kind of arc is understanding the world he's in the world that, you know, yeah, he knew what it's like, but there's all these different elements to it. And seeing these different people battling their own uh, motives and own questions that him kind of reclaiming his identity of being Sam Wilson, not Captain America, not Falcon, but, you know, I'm Sam, this is who I am, and this is where I fit in the world, and that's why he's able to be Captain America. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. I Mm. do think that, uh, you know, maybe the whole reason why when he rejects the shield to begin with and, you know, Bucky questions him, Rhodes questions him, he doesn't necessarily have a good answer for it. And I do agree with you that throughout the show, he gets a bit of an answer as to why he rejected it, even on an unconscious level. Mm. You know, yeah. there was, there's, um, there's an idea of the collective unconscious. Yeah. And I do believe that Sam's collective unconscious, based on the experiences of black people in the past, was to say no to the shield. Yeah. Like he listened to his collective unconscious, even though he didn't understand what it was and what it meant. Mm-hmm. And I think when he talks to Isaiah Bradley and he gets that full story, that helps him realize why he said no to the shield yeah. and why ultimately he has to say yes to the shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, good. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing show. Like yeah. Honestly, I don't think I could have any kind of fun conversation. Well, not 
fun per se, but I don't think I could have as deep a conversation about WandaVision. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I get you. Like, I, and the it's funny, just not as good, the, and it's not as The funny as thing is, like, I, now that I think about it, it, you haven't swayed me, per se. <laughs> but, but, but I agree with you in the sense that I enjoyed WandaVision more just because it's so weird and out there. But I will say that I completely concur with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It could definitely bring forth a lot more intelligent dialogue than WandaVision could. Yeah, I mean, the the most intelligent dialogue I could probably get out of WandaVision, if I really wanted Loss. to dig, is, uh, well, obviously you have the power of grief, that's a given. Yeah. But, you know, you also have that feminine uh, aspect of a woman in power. The, yeah. the idea of a witch has mm -hmm. always been this frightening thing in, in our culture, and that's because it is a, it's a woman with power. Yeah. So yeah. that that yeah. would be the main deepest theme. From yeah, but there's so much more going on for this in terms. Yeah, of no, this one has like ten thousand fucking themes. And no, like, yeah. The more you watch it, the more you're like, oh my god. Yeah. WandaVision had good themes, but I think the reason why I prefer this show is that because in WandaVision I felt like they didn't do a good job investing the emo emotional stakes throughout mm. the show. Like yeah. there was like a lot of decisions they did didn't have the weight behind it. Where here yeah. in this show, every every decision and choice that they make has weight behind it and we see the consequences that, of yeah. this weight and like that's why i think walker is such a fascinating character for you know a lot of these shows and tv shows like it's difficult for most writers to kind of balance supporting characters yeah and i think that like walker's development from when we first met him to the the picture they're painting and then his sharp decline mm -hmm. and then like think about it in context like he's such a great representation of how the government and our country views veterans and views like the, yeah. these soldiers who it's like either we view them in the light that they're amazing and that they're perfect and they did the right thing always or they're like oh they're they were just tools they were just you know what we mm -hmm. needed to use to get to where we need to be and i think yeah. the last episode when you had that little bit like i guess that hearing or whatever it was and he's like you made me do you made me like, yes you made me do these things. And, yeah. you know, for him, it was about, like, this episode, even though it was definitely motivated by a really bad desire, he eventually got to a point where he was able to find his, his, like, true motive and his true identity. He's like, I want to be a good person. He actually wants to be Captain America to do good things, but he fucked. Bad. He's just bad at doing good things. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he'll continue to be bad at doing good things. I think the problem with Walker is that, and again, uh, it's not his fault. I think that a lot of it is uh, expressed in the show in terms of his storyline and in terms of, like you said, when he goes up to the hearing and he's like, you know, you made me do this. You made me what I am. I think for Walker, a lot of his problem is that he does believe in the idea of the ends justifying the means. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny because him and Carly line up on this. Definitely. Carly ultimately decides to go down a darker, darker, darker path because to her, she even says to her friends, like, it doesn't matter if we die. It doesn't matter if we don't survive because our movement will live on past us. Yeah. And to her, that is the ends will justify the means. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm looked at as a horrible person in history. There are people who will follow me regardless of whether I'm dead. Like, I'm going to be a martyr now, and it's yeah. even better. It's that whole thing, as as you said, and justifies the means, or, like, we're bigger than the sum of our own parts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They definitely drank the Kool-Aid on that one. They, they did. 
Uh, and I think the, you know, again, the problem with having a mentality like that is that you don't, you don't do the long-term math. Mm-hmm. You do the short-term math because you think it works out. Yeah. And I think Sam is kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum where it's like he wants to do the long-term math. So he doesn't want to make that short-term bad decision. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can come off as him being inactive. Yeah. Yeah. But he's ultimately not. Like, I mean, you know, again, we get to the... So he drops off uh, Carly. We have the resolution with Sharon. We have the resolution with Bucky. And then uh, the show kind of has a bunch of endings, almost like the Return of the King thing, <laughs> uh, where we have... We cut to, I believe it's... Um, Walker's getting his new outfit, so he's now become officially U.S. agent, uh, along with Valentina and uh, I don't know his wife's uh, yeah, name actually. Yeah. I feel bad. I don't know his wife's name at all, uh, but she's there with his wife, and you know he's putting on the new costume. And then we have Zemo chilling out in the raft, who's hearing about the uh, the death of the four flag smashers. Now there is one flag smasher still alive. Uh, is Bucky, there? yes, because uh, not Bucky. Uh, Captain America actually fishes him out of the water. At the end, when uh, Sam is finished giving his speech and he goes to talk to Sharon and Bucky, there's an officer who comes over to calls for him and they tell him, like, oh, there's one of the Flag Smashers is in, like, the Hudson or whatever waterway it is. I'm not familiar with uh, New York. But they say that he's wet, but he's alive. So that's where he goes. He goes to get that Flag Smasher. So we do not know what's happened with that person. Uh, We don't know which Flag Smasher it is. I think it's Donovich, Domovich, or whatever his name is, the hot Asian guy. So I hope, I hope it's the hot Asian guy. He may not have superpowers either, because we know only what twelve. Was it twelve or eight? There of were them twelve to... in total, uh, because Walker's the twelfth, and then there were there were twenty vials altogether. They took eight of them, I want to say. So there's yeah, sorry, there's idea. not twelve. So they took eight. Walker took the ninth, and then the other ones were destroyed by Zemo. Zemo, yeah. Um, and then I think Dom- Domovich was the one who was in the helicopter and he was definitely a super soldier. Uh, yeah, okay. so he's been rescued. So as far as we know, there's at least one super soldier now, 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 now the mm. question becomes, is the government going to take him as a prisoner of war and try to recreate the serum like they did to Isaiah Bradley? But this time it's the whole, like, oh, he's a terrorist. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, it'd be kind of cool shocked. if they took a, oh, me neither. It'd be great if they took that whole huge step back. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because that's what the government does. Yeah. Uh, but and also, if you have you know Madame Hydra on board, obviously she's going to probably hear about this and get involved because she seems to know a lot of things. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of things. Yeah. She knew that yeah. Walker took the serum, even though nobody else seemed to know. I don't know how she found out, but whatever. Uh, unless Sharon called her and told her, but then I it's like, know. how the fuck did Sharon find out? I mean, she has so little screen time overall. But the thing is that uh, it could come down to the acting of, of as well of julia louis dreyfus yeah but the thing is that uh i think just for the character themselves to have that level of confidence probably means they know a lot more than they're letting on oh yeah she's she's yeah. in the upper echelons by far yeah uh, lastly we get um we get a couple of wrap-ups we get uh we get isaiah, isaiah bradley which is nice gets to see oh, his I dedication it's such a beautiful uh, scene. It I really love is. that scene. I th- I thought I actually had a fr- uh, conversation with a friend who wasn't sure how he felt about it, and I think that it was such a beautiful kind of 
It's a, it was just a beautiful beautiful solution to that whole issue. You know yeah. how like Zeb Bradley wanted to stay hidden. He didn't want to have to deal with the you know all the bad stuff to happen. He had his the history that he had to live with, and Sam taking the effort to do that really kind of gave him some kind of credit and acknowledgement that like you know you're you're a veteran. You did well. You were you were like a, a black man who fought for his country. Yep. And it was just it was so moving. I love that scene so much. It was very nice. Uh, and and again, it it shows what kind of a person Sam is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he you get the after credit scene with Sharon getting her pardon because he promised her he would try and get her a pardon, and he does succeed. He you know, I don't think he ever he never promises Isaiah that he's going to get the story out, but he does discuss it with him to the point where he's like, it should be known. And obviously Isaiah's like, just leave me dead. Like I Isaiah's like, no, yeah. Isaiah's like, don't do it. And I think it. Sam is like, well, we can work around that. Like nobody knows you're alive. We could just say you died in the war, and then we found out un- like we unredacted a bunch of papers, and here it is. Mm. So it's like it's not like there wasn't a happy medium to be had. Uh, but it is nice to see like how moved he is by this, despite him being largely a grumpy old man for most of the show. Mm. So it's nice Legitimate to see reasons. He's, he's touched <laughs> yeah. by it. Uh, and then you have the 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 ending before the ending. So many endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get just kind of a nice little montage of Sam and Bucky in Louisiana, working on the boat, fixing it, getting a, a party together with the neighborhood, uh, just having a good time, really. Yeah. The funny thing with that. Oh, and then the ending and the other ending. Yeah. The stupid Bucky. Funny ending with that, though, or, or the funny thing about that. Uh, uh, Norton and I have talked about this too, uh, because. It's not a point of contention with you. It's just one of those things. And I actually kind of agree. It's a little frustrating, but I think we come to a conclusion, a a logical conclusion by the end of this. But throughout the entire series itself, Norton's whole thing is like, so just tell yourself or just tell each other that you're friends. Just admit that you're friends. Yeah. Just admit it. Stop beating around the bush and stop playing, doing that ballet. Like I know in the first episode I complained about the whole bromance thing and I'm glad that nobody ever said it. I really am. I've I've been looking at the articles here and there and I haven't heard anyone bring it up. You're you're glad they didn't kiss is what you're telling me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm very glad they didn't kiss. Uh, But... I, I'm also kind of a little disappointed that they didn't just sort of man up Solidify and be like, we're friends. Like, just, just admit you're friends. But I guess it's kind of an unspoken thing. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. be fair, yeah. that entire sequence does take place with music over it. So it's not there's no real dialogue in there. Nah. So there might be a conversation that is had between Bucky and Falcon, or Bucky and Sam, where they're just like, yeah. yes, we're friends, done, done. And they're not they're really not just friends. They're more than that, honestly. At I this think point, they really yeah. became family, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because when you go through that type of stuff, the grief together, everything yeah. like that, it's just, it's just, it, yeah, it's just like uncomparable. Yeah. The funny thing is, now that I think about it, a better way to say friend, they're not friends, they're brothers. Yeah. yeah. Because the thing is, like, when you think about going to war well, with yes, somebody, okay. and you've all been right. through all that I shit, then the it's kind of... The foxhole thing? Yeah, yeah, you're in the same foxhole together and stuff like that, then it's like, you come out, if you both come out of the war together alive, then you're not my friend. You're my brother. You're closer than family because you've been through way more shit. No, okay. I'll give you that. I'll I can see that. that. Uh, and then we have uh, Bucky finally going to Yori and confessing that as the Winter Soldier, he killed his son. Uh, the only thing that kind of gets me about this is the fact that we don't really know if Yori got mad at him, really. Uh, yeah, we they, see him leave the apartment, and we yeah. see yeah, him later yeah. on walking down the street, and he kind of looks wistfully through the window to see Yori with the with the daughter, 
but that's it. Like, we're not, we're not really given any ideas to whether Yori was mad about the confession or whether he was like, okay. Leave it open. Of course he's, of course he's going to be mad. Yeah, yeah. I would assume so, but you never know. People can't surprise you. Even in the best, like, emotional health, like, the fact that it's like, dude, you were my friend for this long and you killed my son, like, no. That's why. That's why Bucky like left, and that's why Bucky didn't go in and try to have dinner with them or lunch with them because like, it was. I think that Bucky knew. So, that interesting thing about that story is that um, that relationship he had with the man was pretty much the closest thing he had to someone who understood his mindset and his time because. Yep. They're they're both older people, so. Yeah. I think Bucky didn't want to tell him that because he realized that once he told him the truth, it would end that friendship. And yeah, I agree. That, yeah, so no, I him agree. finally coming to terms about that and understanding that in order to make amends and be better, I have to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have like, to lose. Yeah, you have to lose in order to grow. That's what it yeah. comes down to. Mm-hmm. And then the final coup de grace of the entire episode is the changing of the title card. So now it no longer reads the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it rather reads Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Mm. Captain America and his mighty shield. Yep. Yes. And then we get the after credit scene with Sharon where she's like, I got pardoned. Fantastic. And then she immediately gets on the phone. It's like, get everybody on the phone because we're going to be selling a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see where that leads to. I'm, I will my... say I'm finally yeah. glad to have a villain that's not Nazi based. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> like, no Hydra. True. No Nazis. It's just good old fashioned corruption and, and she, power she's, mongering. She's blonde hair and blue eyes, man. She, yeah. Well, no, she has brown eyes. She does? Okay. Yeah, okay. I've seen enough close-ups of her that's face. True. You've seen... <laughs> I definitely know. It's no, she doesn't have blue eyes, but she does have uh, blonde hair. So. Yeah. I mean, it is funny yeah. that like they always had that idea of like the blonde hair, blue eyed, but it's mm-hmm. like the guy who was pushing it was brown haired, yeah. brown oh, yeah. eyed. Never like, got how that. does that make sense? Never got that. It's like trusting no, a drug no. dealer that doesn't take the product. Mm. Would you? No, that's a good point. <laughs> no, yeah, that's this a good point. Definitely sets up like I definitely because I loved WandaVision uh, as its standalone thing. I wouldn't. That's. I'll be honest. I don't know if I'd want to see a second iteration of that. But this, oh, God, I would no. definitely. But this, <laughs> Amen, this, brother. Yeah, I, this I would definitely want to see a continuation because it's like there's so many places that you can yeah. still go. I with mean, it. to be fair, WandaVision is set up as a as a one off. As a one off, like. The way sense. the story concludes, yeah. it's fine. The mm-hmm. most you could do is explain how Agatha gets out of basically purgatory. That's yeah, but it. then do people really care enough about that? That's the thing. I well, mean, I'm, Wanda, I'm guarantee she would show up later. Yeah, one the vision is meant to lead into uh, Doctor Strange too, so that's going to be the oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's true. It's, be- it's about building up the multiverse, be. and mm-hmm. and that's kind of why like I get a lot of the stuff they did because they want. Scarlet, in order to do the multiverse thing they're doing, they have to have so many different like powers to be. And I mean, yeah. that's like actual powers. So, like, unlocking Wanda's full potential in addition to Doctor Strange's potential, they have to yeah. be able to have that type of. And let's uh, not I think... forget that. Uh... Sorry. No, I was like, that's when, we get... that's when we're actually going to get Mephisto. <laughs> ah, maybe. People really want your Mephisto, huh? Yeah. Why not? I will say <sighs> that, uh, you know. The the pandemic really did kind of fuck Marvel over a lot in terms of their rollout plan because apparently uh, Madame Hydra was supposed to show up or does show up in uh, Black Widow. Black really? Widow was supposed to be the start of this phase. Yeah, because it ended up being be... WandaVision. 
Uh, Black Widow yeah. was supposed to be what, like, like October or something? Oh, something oh, like that. Oh, way yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. Like October 2020, I think, if something I remember correctly. Like, yeah. like November, yeah. October, somewhere around there. I remember uh-huh. it was pretty, like, it was set. This? There yeah. were, like, trailers for it and everything. We were all ready for it. And then it's like, oh, there was a no, point... we went to hell. Can you believe there was a point where there was a Marvel, there was, there was a point where there was three different Marvel movies in a year. How insane was that? Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty much how they rolled. Like, that's the problem with having such a fastidious uh, schedule is that, you know, you get something like a world changing pandemic and all of a sudden all your plans go to hell. Yeah. And you still got to keep that train moving You can win this, DC. Do you see this? You you got a shot. (laughs) Oh, that's true. They don't. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> you know, one could hope. I love, like, hope. I'm saying this as someone who loves DC. Like, yeah. I would love to see DC take oh, their oh. time and slowly come around. And I, I feel like they're they're the, the the turtle in this tortoise and hare race. Yeah. But they're just slow stupid. And, yeah, well, they're, they're super like the slow. They're like the stupidest, blindest actually, turtle that yeah. ever raced. <laughs> actually, their their mistakes, I think, is setting them up for the perfect uh, counterpoint to Marvel. Cause so, I hope so. Yeah. Marvel's what like twenty five movies or yeah, something like that. Marvel's gonna hit a point of like people are just gonna get tired. You of mean it. oversaturation? Well, definitely. Well, they're splitting off. The, I think the idea and I think the pandemic helped them a little with that. Yeah, I think the idea and they. I don't know if they flat out said this, but essentially it's leading up to is that the the main story arc is gonna split into like three different kind of like paths. Ooh. Like ah. there's gonna be like a, there's gonna be like a Young Avengers, which is gonna be like Spider Man, and like Avengers heavy kind of version. Then you're gonna have like a second thing. path, which is gonna be like a different kind of storyline, because like hmm. Thor's getting a sequel, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I know when Gunn first started it, he said after the third movie, any type of Guardian following would be a new crew. Oh. So yeah. I mean, so, they're like, already yeah. as Guardians of the Galaxy, so I don't know if yeah, right. Thor running around with them. Plus, I know so the new Thor yeah. movie is mostly Valkyrie. Mm. It's well. It's Valkyrie, him, and it's uh, Natalie Portman, Thor. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I yeah, you're gonna if she's get still that. gonna die of cancer in this one. Yeah, I possibly. I thought I that was know. like such a dick move on their yeah. part. They finally make a lady Thor, and then it's like, oh yeah, she died of cancer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so Congrats, you're ladies. You're gonna have a continuation of you know. You're gonna have this new captain. Um, I think that. The next time we see Bucky, he's going to have some kind of redemption arc where he'll officially become the White Wolf. Mm. Yeah, that was interesting to me that they did. They kept yeah. the Winter Soldier on there, but they changed it to Captain America. So I, I do think Bucky's going to have to have a, a reckoning, as it were. Yeah. Um, I do know they announced the new Captain America. So it is going to be, I believe, Sam and Bucky. Oh, nice. Okay, dope. Yeah. That's awesome. So that yeah, is man. the thing. And then you have now a new, you have Monica Rambo, so you have like the continuation of a, a, a you know, multiple Captain Marvels. So there's like a lot of different directions it can go in. But DC, because of the the rushed aspect of the the DC EU mm. and the Snyderverse, is that they kind of had to like fall back and work around. So now they're kind of similar to the comics. Actually, they're working on the multiple Earth uh, mentality. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Batman movie is gonna be yep. its own world. Uh, the Joker movie was its own world. You're gonna have the ah. remnants of the Snyderverse, which is um, I do the Flash feel like DC's a little better in terms of doing that. Like they they like to separate their properties a little better. Well, they didn't want to. I think uh, I think they because of the existence of the Snyderverse, they realized they had to. They will. I don't they, know. TV DC seemed to be like on board because when they did the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths for the Arrowverse, they ended up uh, creating their multiverse, and now it's like 
I think pretty much everyone on the Arrowverse exists on one Earth. The Doom Patrol exists on a different Earth. Uh, what the fuck is the other show they have? Titans, Titans, I think, is on a separate Earth. I, I'm not sure about that. I don't follow I, the Arrow. I do have I a question for you, though, Bassam. Yeah, please, go ahead. Uh, did you see the Snyder Cut? I did. Um, I so Just to go I, on a quick little tangent here. So I, actually, really, I have a good question, but go on. So, here, so, here's, so here's my overall thing of Snyder's universe. I'll just say before I get into the Snyder Cut thing. Um, so I guess I'll give you my short answer. My short answer first is I did enjoy the Snyder Cut. Um, I thought inherently it was going to be better than the original Justice League theatrical release because it actually had a tonal consistency, which is going to inherently make a movie better because it's not jumping around random place to place. Yeah. Um, Snyder as a whole with the universe that honestly I think a lot of it should be thrown to David S. Goyer, who I hate as a screenwriter. Yeah. But, <laughs> You know, there was a certain point with, uh, and it kind of started a bit with Dark Knight Rises because no one clearly didn't want to do the third one, but they're like, yo, if you want Inception, make us the third Batman. He's like, yeah. So uh, because of that, like this, the DC kind of shifted from these story arcs to more of like, this is a cool moment. How do we work around that? Mm. And I think Man of Steel fell for that because Man of Steel, similar to WandaVision, didn't have clear emotional stakes and they were trying to solve the emotional stakes by just random flashbacks and like mm. trying to work to an end point. Yeah, so, that's the stupidest version of John Kent's death. Yeah, awesome. Everyone horrible. agrees. Horrible. Yeah, and, um, you know, I Batman vs. Superman has a lot of issues, but also I think has a lot of good. I think that they try to do too much in one movie. They're yeah. like, we have to set up a universe, so here's seven different yeah. possibilities of story Oh, I agree, lines. yeah. I mean, that's... And, that was probably DC's biggest problem was that they didn't yeah. understand that, like, okay, you're coming into this very late. Like, take your time. Yeah, exactly. And then, so, when Justice League came out in theaters, I'm like, this is this is trash. This is horrible. The only thing I actually liked about it, surprisingly, was Superman. I thought, I thought he, they finally kind of corrected him to an extent of his personality. And with the Snyder Cut, I felt that thematically it helped better. I thought that Wonder Woman had a little bit more time to shine. They got rid of a lot of these weird tension, jokey things. Yeah. That oh, God. Would, the Joss Whedon-ness. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but, you know, so I think that, you know, Cyborg actually got development, which is really good because he's a yeah. very interesting character. Especially Everybody with got like, a lot more love on that one. Yeah. And I yeah. think that, you know, it's definitely long. I like the fact he did it in parts. I wish he did it more of like a miniseries, honestly, like the original intention. Uh, but yeah, oh, I honestly really enjoyed it. Intention? Yeah, so the original intention was that they were going to do it as a four-parter. And then there, he's like, nah, I'm just going to release this one big, big movie. Uh, uh, but like, if you look at it, though, it has six parts to it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, um, my, yeah, my base ahead. question is basically that, like, my theory is that if they had waited, like, you know, if instead of releasing the Justice League they released and they had waited for Snyder to actually finish his Justice League and they had released it as two movies, I think it would have done phenomenally better. Oh, well, I mean, you had no clue when Snyder was going to finish it. You're, talk, you're talking about the if they did the theatrical cut and didn't rush it, you mean? Like, yeah, like if they had taken his cut and made yeah. it the actual theater cut, but they just cut it in half like it was Infinity War and oh, Endgame. Yeah. And they treated it as like a two-parter. Yeah. I think I mean, that would have worked. I mean, granted, they didn't do any of the work to get up to there, which I think is a large part of why people got mad about it. Because yeah. it was they were just like, oh, here's BVS. Bam, Justice League. And it's like, well, did we get a cyborg movie? Did we get a Flash movie? Yeah. Did we get a Wonder Woman movie? Like, so no? It, All right, we'll just go right here. 
so in hindsight, I agree with you, but also at the time though, like he just lost his son. So like, no, I no, know, I get it. I, I wouldn't have even expected him to have do, done a second movie. Um, yeah. But also, you know, so they did rush it, which like Marvel. I mean, by the time Avengers came, you had four or five movies of development to like you know give you backstory. Yes. But also, I think there is a alternative where instead of doing Man of Steel. You know, BVS, and then you could have started with the Justice League. Like, I don't necessarily see a fault in starting with the team up and then disseminating and breaking up and starting the storylines because, like, I can see that. It, I think it can be done, especially with, um, you know, the potential. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, if they had done his Justice League movie as a two parter, just to, like, start their entire universe off, that would have been, I think, wildly successful. Yeah, yeah. And, and then also everybody like, would have been yeah. like, oh, now I can't wait to see Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg yeah. and Wonder Woman in their own movies. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, loved, I loved Aquaman. Aquaman was so much fun. It was stupid, but it was, oh, I think it was like, I got a lot of vibes of like the Mummy, the old Mummy movies. Uh, with Brendan Aquaman Fraser. is, yeah. it's all right. I, I will say that uh, for my point, and this is just my point, uh, I do believe that Aquaman is ultimately a guy's movie. <laughs> like, I it's feel a bro, like a bro from movie. The, the people I've yeah from the people I've heard of who had a really positive review of it, it's all been dudes. Like dudes are just like, oh my god, it's so amazing, and I've watched it and I'm like, yeah, it's alright. <laughs> what you what you think of Shazam? Shazam I love good. Shazam. Shazam, Shazam really is good. probably the closest they've ever come to getting that Marvel magic without yeah, like stealing it, without like very clearly trying to copy Marvel. Like, I yeah, thought was Shazam very... was amazing. I thought that was, like, if they could make every one of their movies as nice and comfortable and fun as Shazam. Like, I think that's the problem with DC a lot of times is they're not fun movies. They, like, in, you know, they gave it to Zack Snyder, and he's like, oh, everything should be 300. Everything should be Frank Miller. And it's like, no, everything shouldn't be Frank Miller. Frank Miller's a piece of shit, and we need to stop sucking his dick. Like, I'm <laughs> fucking sick of this. I appreciate Old Miller, but he is yeah. racist and terrible. Like I'm, so. I'm so tired yeah. of him. I think a lot of like uh, very beloved animators, writers in the comic field, uh, they had created seminal novels, but then they ga- they gain a lot of grump and guff in their old age, and then they become xenophobes like Frank Miller. Any of the so. stories from the Justice League animated like cartoon would have been amazing movies. Oh yeah, and of ma- course. Like that cartoon should just be their roadmap. Well, that's the true justice. It was such an amazing cart. Like it has yeah. so many amazing episodes in it. So mm-hmm. like amazing character development, yeah. just a little well, thing. And you got amazing and writers it's on fun. it. Fun. I yeah. want to see a fun movie, damn it. You want to know why fucking MCU is is killing it because they're fucking fun. Uh they're fun. Yeah. They're bright. That's the thing. The color palette. Oh god, is yes. Very Can we bright. please not bleed the color out of everything? When you get into a Zack Snyder movie, it's god. a lot of darkness. Yeah, I go to Zack Snyder and I think I have a fucking eye problem. Like I'm gonna go to my yeah. eye doctor later and be like, uh, "Can I see color anymore, Doc?" Yeah. Well, did you did you see Wonder Woman '84? Uh, yeah. I did. Oh, I, so uh, bad. Oh my it god, was, it was so well, bad. Again, I think the largest problem with Wonder Woman '84 is that. There, there were, like, three main problems. One, they clearly didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Two, Pedro Pascal's villain is awful. Just just downright I don't know what the fuck his motive was. I don't know what he really did. I don't know what, like, the solution was stupid. And then the third thing is that I think that, you know, they did not make really good use of... What is her name? Tigra or whatever her name Cheetah. is? Cheetah. Cheetah, there you go. Yeah. How much I know about it. How much I paid attention. 
I actually loved the body swapped Chris Pine. I'm not gonna lie. If I can get more Chris Pine, I don't care how I'm getting Some him. Some people didn't have truck with that. I thought it was like, amazing because again, I, I, they had that out of man time no, thing, which it. was really fun. I but I get it. I get it. It was the whole, the whole like, I love sexual. Yeah, I love Chris Pine. Isn't it fun to like being... you know turn the tables now and again and have a woman get to do no, that I to a man it. for I once? I totally get it. <laughs> You know how many times we've had that storyline yeah. where a guy does that to a woman and it's like, oh, that's just boys being boys. Wonder Woman I mean, does it and they're like, oh, how dare she? I mean, like, you could have brought Chris Pine back without doing that, which I yeah, think it was, so. it was like, just a strange I, point. It's a fucking but... magic thing. You couldn't have really done something yeah. else. I think they tried super. They tried too hard to make it like an '80s movie, and because they did that, it was just like, what is going? I don't know. It's just uh, like, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. good up until Pedro, like, as soon as Pedro Pascal came in, he was kind of like, uh, what's his face, in um, BVS, uh, uh, Lex Luthor, uh, yeah. yeah like, any time Jesse Eisenberg was in that movie, it was like, I'm done, I want to oh, kill God. myself. Uh, he's just, not just great, fucking awful. He, he, he does not make a great villain anyway. The only time he no, plays no. a subtle Lex Luthor is in the fucking after scene with Deadpool. I mean, or, honestly, sorry. the funny thing. What's his name? I mean, pretty, much, pretty, much, yeah. pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much Deadpool. I mean, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. we talk, there's a really Deathstroke, great Stephen Colbert joke. Yeah. Oh, Deathstroke. Whatever. No, I know. They're all the same. Well, they, yeah, they're literally copies off of each other. Yeah. Deathstroke, Deadpool. You gotta have, and then Wade there's Wilson, Lady Deathstrike. I'm like, I can't do this. You, too many yeah. people would yeah. death so you must, You must be excited for, uh, for Suicide Squad then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it looks interesting. I'm it totally does, yeah. into it, especially seeing as though it's James Gunn. But I want to, yeah, yeah, like I want to see what a fun director does with it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my exactly. whole thing. I think the DCU, and I mean, before I found out that, you know, Zack Snyder lost his child, which is a shame and it sucks. Suicide is a terrible thing. But yeah. I was in the camp of people that were like, can we please stop giving things to Zack Snyder? Because he's fucking Fair, yeah. terrible at it. And you you make a good point. Like, it's not like he's writing the scripts. That could be Goyer's problem, too. But it's like, again, stop sucking Frank Miller's dick. Move on to anybody else. Like, What's, who's that other dead guy that writes really good shit? McDuffie or whatever his name is? Oh, uh, Dwayne McDuffie? Yeah. yeah. He was good. Go suck was, his dick for a while. Jesus he was Christ. Great. I mean, he created Static Shock. So. See? But uh, the funny thing is. Motherfucker. The funny thing is, now you say, uh, <laughs> like, before knowing that he uh, his child lost their I'm life. I'm still very much, let's get rid of Zack Snyder. No, I know. And, and you were vehemently on the board, on the train of get rid of Zack Snyder. <laughs> that would be get rid of Zack Snyder dot 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 until joss whedon steps in and now get rid of joss whedon in terms of you get rid of like get rid of like get rid of like yeah get rid of like 90 percent of hollywood and let's then bring some, people like people me on color, yeah, let's exactly. get some women in here like let's get some fucking diversity mm, diversity I'm tired of all these fucking straight white guys it's like oh look I, I made a whole new vision it's like no you look exactly like the other straight white guy yeah. Can we get another point of view? Look how wonderful Black Panther worked out. Look right. how wonderful the first Wonder Woman was. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can do these things. It's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. But we've Just got take the fucking chance. Oh well, first we went one. on a huge tangent. Well, well, well. Before we end this, the first Wonder Woman had a terrible third act. Uh, yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and dumpster fire. And I the, still liked it. the funny thing is, well, Patty Jenkins said that her third act technically was different. Really? Oh, did we get the Patty Jenkins cut then? Yeah, I'm sure that, call for that. Yeah, because release said, the Jenkins cut. Release yeah, the, the Jenkins, Jenkins cut. cut. Uh, because she's like the producers wanted. Um, the fucking producers? She wanted to downplay the. I mean, what, I guess for better or for worse, she wanted the third act to be a bit more downplayed, and the, the 
the studios and the producers just wanted her to be like, we need some big bombastic, th- like third <laughs> act battle. Squad. Yeah, Where they had like the fucking what's her face building that giant machine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how many movies have we had so far where it's a villain with a big machine in the sky? It's like a video game. Then they think, oh, there's ultimately just a boss at the end, and yeah. it's got to be the big boss battle. That's uh, How I Met Your Mother joke. It's all rise. Uh, well, yeah, that's the mixtape. It could <laughs> the either be, has to be all rise, all rise, or just rise and then fall. Yeah. And then I mean, all rise. That's just if you're on cocaine. I mean, that's the funny thing it. is, for Wonder Woman, the most powerful moment for me is when she goes on no man's land. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. anything Hands after that kind of doesn't that, matter. That's the yeah. peak. That's the peak of the movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You before... could have done a more subdued third act, and I think it still would have yeah. worked. Because mm-hmm. like the first part of that movie was like female Thor, and then it yeah. was, uh, and then it really stepped into its own, and then it was like, oh, here's every terrible superhero movie you've ever watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't without its flaws, but it was still yeah. good. Movie. No, I like yeah. overall. Yeah. I liked it, yeah. and I'm glad that it did well enough because now we get to have other female superhero movies. Yeah. The bad exactly. thing is. You get that thing with minority movies where it's like, oh, if if Wonder Woman did badly, it would be like another fifty years before uh, we got yeah. another Wonder Woman yeah. movie. Despite yeah, but the that's fact what... that it was like seventy fucking years before we got a Wonder Woman movie, by the way. Seventy. Yeah. Seventy. Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier was so awesome because you know it was created. It was show run by Matthew Spellman. Uh, a, you know, a black screenwriter who did mm-hmm. uh, TV shows like Empire and is prominent in industry. And it was definitely a channel to kind of give a lot of great voices to diversity. Different yeah. cool characters and some things that were just, you know, that were more than just whatever we expect in the norm in these different mm-hmm. types of superhero movies. So Yeah. And I, you know, I really liked a lot of the things that happened in, in the show. And I think that Isaiah Bradley is a very good representation of you know, the way he reacts to Sam going on TV and declaring himself Captain America, but also recognizing the complications that come with that, you just see his face kind of have this weird mixed pride because he's like, yeah, he told him, like, no self-respecting black man would do it. But then deep down, he's really happy that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, at the exactly. end of the day, he's happy that there's a black Captain America. Mm-hmm. And look, we went back around to the point. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the <laughs> perfect button. That was the perfect button. Exactly. Well, this was great talking with you guys about a great finale. Yeah, that was fun. And, you know, it was a lot of fun that this wasn't WandaVision. No, it wasn't. That's why it was so much fun. Ah! But but Captain America and the Winter Soldier, uh, success from Marvel, a great six-part miniseries that helps flesh out these awesome characters in this great universe and really kind of makes us think, which is what superhero movies can and should do more often. And with that, uh, I want to say thank you to you guys. And I guess each one of you, uh, let's start with Norton first. Give a little goodbye and where they can find you if you want them to find you and a little uh, or something. Norton out. I write for the word print. That's fine. Yeah. And yeah. she and she's also, in addition to doing this podcast, writing the actual review. Of yes. This. So yeah, it's going to be like the a, a, show. a combo. Piece. Yes. It helps. Read her review. Yes. It's bias. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am... On the work print as well, I do various series, uh, recaps and reviews. Right now, cur- uh, currently I'm doing uh, Bird Girl, which is on Adult Swim. Uh, it's on at 12 o'clock, so you guys might not be up to see it, but it's pretty funny. It's not, it's kind of a spinoff of Harvey Birdman, but it's completely different uh, from it. Uh, a, it's a half an hour, uh, whereas Harvey Birdman was 15 minutes. And this one does not deal with uh, litigation. Uh, really so much at all mm. it's its own different beast uh 
next month I'm going to on the work print be doing a review of Cruella as well. Nice. Uh, outside of that, I have a podcast called After the Credits. Occasionally, you could hear Norton on them. Sometimes. Uh, Basam is sometimes on them. You're more than welcome to come on again whenever you'd like. Perfect. Uh, and, and that's pretty much it, And in addition to doing these fun podcasts with both of you guys. Awesome. I am Basam. Uh, you can find me in the work print. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at BKado, B-K-A-A-D-O. I haven't written anything for the work print in a while. I might pop back in and do a review of... Possibly Black Widow when it comes out. I want to try to write that when it comes out in June and get back to doing movie reviews, which I thought was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, there's going to be another Marvel show coming soon. We might do a podcast with that. Covering Loki. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I called it, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) And at some some point, Hawkeye's going to come out, and I'm super interested in that because I love archery. Uh, But yeah, find us there, find our stuff, read our stuff, support the work print, support the podcast, support your friends, support diversity, support life. Everything. Nice. Beautiful. And yeah, remember what it's like and what it means to be America and Captain America. Ooh. Nice. Perfectly said. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye, man. Adios. Bye. Bye.